0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Between Two Coins. I am here joined by uh, Zach, the main man, the cool guy. What's up guys? I love that guy. Mm -hmm. And we're also joined today by T Shroom. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. You know we out here doing it. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, uh, so as you may notice, my amazing host uh, Tim is not here today uh, unfortunately he is dealing with a lot of uh, like a family emergency right now so just prayers for Tim uh, we are gonna uh, keep the ship rolling that's what he would want so uh, that is what we're doing so uh, without further ado I think the the first thing I kind of want to start open up with is uh, talk about where I've been where if wheres May been uh, so well uh, any any guesses from you guys where have I been uh
1: I think you've been at something called NAB
0: oh yeah NAB National Aviary uh boys (laughs) National Aviary Boys you heard it here first National Aviary Boys no I was actually at uh, the National Association of Broadcasters show NAB in Las Vegas uh wow What a place. Uh, Anybody who lives in Las Vegas who has been there will know what I'm saying. But guys, Las Vegas is like, there is no place I've ever been in my life that has the aura and vibe of Las Vegas. But have either of you guys been there? Nope. I've never been to Las Vegas. See, I'll be honest with you. There's some things that I thought while I was there. First of all, the amount of money. The amount of money put into that place is ridiculous, just because, you know, obviously there's a ton of, ton of gambling, a lot of people traveling there, tourism, stuff like that, and it's like, it's almost like Las Vegas, so New York, you'll go to New York, it's like the place where everyone spent their money wisely, you go to Las Vegas, and it's where all these rich people spent their money in the most, like, uh, like, just ridiculous way possible like the casinos are like like themed and like yeah. like there's a place called new york new york if you guys know what i'm talking about it's literally just like the new york skyline as a giant casino you know and it's like almost just as big gigantic so um but it got me thinking and i want to see i want to kind of introduce this topic here it got me thinking about what would happen if crypto got more plugged in to this environment obviously you know However you feel about it I didn't I didn't love the atmosphere but however you feel about it there's money to be made there there's money uh, also to be lost there but there's also like it's just a very there's a lot of money being spent in Las Vegas So what would that mean for the crypto space if a place like Las Vegas pretty tightly integrated into the crypto community tisham I'll, uh, Open up with you. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the what do you see the draw
1: so far for Decentraland being? Right, it's people Mm. getting in and investing in something they think they're early on, right? And then it's the the actual development has been casinos, casinos, and you know people promoting their own crypto projects and some art. But uh, so that's the first thing that comes to my mind. So it's like. The industry sees crypto is very compatible with a gambling uh, casino type atmosphere, whether it be online or or elsewhere. And I think that elsewhere is probably going to be Las Vegas, um, New Jersey, Atlantic City. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of compatibility there, but, you know, it, it just comes down to. The legality aspect of it. I know that gambling has a lot of strict regulation uh, around it. You can't do it everywhere. There's only a couple cities in the U.S. that you can legally and freely and openly gamble in a commercial environment. Yeah, uh, most of the times it's just in a garage, the small poker table, and a couple of people from the neighborhood or from you know coworkers. But uh, obviously, Las Vegas and Atlantic City, they take it to a whole nother level.
0: Oh, I mean, I'd say even further, though, even further than the gambling side, which, by the way, again, to set the stage for anybody who's not been there, the first thing I discovered very quickly was that there was a a slot machine, and literally everywhere there could be a slot machine. So, like, uh, airport had a bunch of slot machines, bathrooms have slot machines, uh, you know what I mean? Like, grocery stores have slot machines. like even if it's just a regular hotel, that hotel has slot machines in it. You know, what I mean, like everything. Movie theaters, movie theaters, had slot machines, and you know, so that was very interesting. But actually, I'd say even further than that, though, further than the gambling, which I think is a huge part of why there's a lot of money in Las Vegas. There's also a huge tourism. Uh, it's a huge tourism spot for I mean there was there was there's all these shows a lot of people coming in to see these celebrities do these acts and shows there and um, there's uh, like a lot of attractions. there's a giant ferris wheel there's uh, you know a lot of different cool stuff there's aquariums a lot of a lot of very kind of also historical stuff. You got you got like uh, the Hoover Dam and all that stuff. Those tours are like getting taken in and out from the Strip, so um, that's kind of like my instant my instant thought is like there's just such a it's a place where money comes in a lot, right? Because the tourism, right? It's not just it's not just a place that makes a lot of money because their economy right or something like that it's self-generated no a lot of it is people are bringing outside money there from all around the world um so what would it look like if if potentially there was a little bit more of a like maybe even just the government of nevada or maybe even the local government in that county uh started uh, adopting bitcoin and and kind of putting that money into that kind of world and maybe even implementing the allure of bringing a different side of tourism to bring people in for maybe NFT exhibits and, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, Zach, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I actually have a couple of thoughts. So kind of going off T-Shroom and then tap into what Smay said, I think a big lure in crypto is the community, right? So if you have the tourism that's the community, right? So you go to Las Vegas to go to Las Vegas. What do you say? Oh, I'm posting on social media, I'm in Las Vegas, right? It's all about the atmosphere. It's all about where I'm trying to be. And so in Decentraland, I mean, there is online, online gambling has been a thing for a long time, right? But Decentraland kind of gives it that crypto community fling. And also that that almost like ability to be there, right? Mm -hmm. I'm there with my boys or I'm there with whoever. And we're all like, crypto enthusiasts, this is our stuff, this is our land, this is our place, right? And I can gamble with people around me. Well, if Las Vegas, I think were to adopt that and kind of surround that where, hey, we actually host, You kind of like how Miami is that hub. Miami right now is the hub for crypto community, right? Well, if Las Vegas were to adopt that and I think really implement, okay, this is a place for crypto and for crypto people, but it's also Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So it's the Las Vegas crypto crypto scene. You know, I, I I think a lot of this is surrounded by people that want to be one early investors and then two, like the this is like boots on the ground. Like I'm I'm here in Las Vegas doing Las Vegas things, mm. right? Making a lot of money. But I'm also here to do- well, or
0: losing a lot of money. Or losing a lot of money. <laughs> I mean I mean mostly name losing game, a lot right? of money. Yeah. So. Most people I, I'll tell you what though, like most people were losing money. I mean that's just how it's built. But <sighs> I think that from what I've heard, this is the the strategy that I think that they're
1: implementing, and it probably in most cities where they're a lot of famous for gambling, um, is that the if you go there one and done, like you just go there for a weekend, right? I think that you actually I've heard more people that have made money. I I made money. They come back exactly. See, so you know what I'm I, I turn because they want to make people evangelizers of Las Vegas. Absolutely. But right. it's the people that go there and stay get entrenched with the industry and they stay there in some way or another, or maybe they just work in the auxiliary. I'm sure there's a public school system. I'm sure there's all kinds of employment. Um, they're the ones that are kind of feeding into it. Cause there some percentage of their income is going towards, going towards that. And well,
0: I, I think there was a lot of, uh, not to cut you off, but I think there was actually just a lot of uh, what I found the most was there's a lot of international people. Like it was very much like people would fly in. There's a lot of people from, from out East uh, like a lot of Europeans, a lot of Asians and and stuff like that that came in, and they were all uh, there gambling and bringing in a lot of money. Yeah. I would actually say what I noticed is so I actually I, I took twenty dollars, okay I was like, you know might, might as well I'm here I, you know when in Rome, right so I, I decided to throw twenty dollars in a slot machine. Uh, I turned twenty dollars into uh, like twenty five dollars nice. Really good, right? So then I said, you know what? I'm just going to play with, I'm going to play, I'm going to take my principal out, almost like trading, right? I'm going to take my principal out and I'm going to trade with the profit. And so I put the $5 in, turn the $5 into 16, turn the 16 into zero. Okay. Actually, more realistically, it turned the 16 and 25 cents. So I say, you know what? Now I got the itch. Right. And this is the danger. So I think even too this, this can be a lesson that maybe gets applied to trading and I I can get there in a second, but I got the itch. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna put the 20 back in. So I put my 20 back in, put myself at risk. I just put myself back at risk when I was not Mm -hmm. put that 20 in, uh, turn the 20 into 50. Mm. So I said, I got that high. I was like, let's do it. So I took the 20 out. Okay, I took my principal back out, and I put another twenty dollars. Lost it. <laughs> so lost that. So then I put another twenty dollars from the profits that I got from the previous uh, previous gambling session, and I turned that into uh, what ended up making it total of eighty one dollars gained. So uh, that was a that was a very interesting experience, but it actually kind of uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of. The way people trade a little bit, they like they almost treat it like gambling, and uh, I noticed very, very, uh, uh, and this is actually now that I actually kind of just got to feel it because I've done some trading, but not to that, not to that point of where you're getting the dopamine. Right. Right. Uh, like you do in that very, it's very fat. like a slot machine's a lot different than trading because it's just like instant, right. You're just, ding, 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 you know, whatever. But I actually like, it made me think about the emotional, how do you carry yourself emotionally in trading and how important that is? Because ultimately, uh, it, it's the, it's the, it's very addicting, right. That high that you get from making a good trade or in this case, you know, profiting on a, on a gamble. Uh, it's very much so like, uh, uh, that can you can get a dick to that high and then it makes you make bad decisions right it makes you uh, you know from what I went to so where I said okay I'm going to only trade with my profits right uh, so in this case in, in the, what we preach in the crypto is say I'm only going to trade with this percentage of my portfolio right say I'm really red on that Oh, I, I, I just got, I just profited. I'm going to, now I'm going to put another 10% or 20% from my, in my, in my investing portfolio that I shouldn't have touched. But now that high is getting me to make really dumb decisions. Right. I, I think ultimately that's where I realized how much of an, how, how that is why there's not more rich people in the world. Hmm. Right.
2: I actually but, have something to say about that. Oh yeah. Go for it. Well, I think. This is one, a great plug for uh, Club DeFi, which is about the psychology of trading coming up Ooh, so. boom. Boom. Plug there. But I actually want to give you guys a little bit of preview because exactly what Smay said, it's about that mindset and mentality, but also, you know, like Kelly does explain, like uh, when you're trading, it's a lot about your, your mindset, but your space, the space you're in. I mean, I, I can, I can, I like exercise. I think everybody else here has exercised. It's a good analogy. When you're consistently exercising, you know your limits and you know your strengths, and you also you know you're in a healthy spot to mr. David Goggins. Well, and but then you just push. You know, you can't you can't uh, do that when exercise. You can push yourself to the limit exercise. You're gonna you know feel it tomorrow. Well, you can put yourself in trade. You might feel it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, but the space that you're in, and when you're consistently doing it, you know you. You're very aware of where you can push your limits and your stop losses. You're very aware of where you're putting your money in and what kind of trading decisions you can make in a very viable time set versus when you're in a bad spot or when you're itching or when you have that dopamine but you're not, you're either new to the space or you're just in a bad spot in life. Like you need a second to take a breather and make sure that you're doing well. Uh, Like mentally, physically, and then in your trading, I mean, it makes a world of difference because you're going to know what you're capable of. It's almost like you're watching a movie. You know, you'd be watching a movie and you think, oh, wow, I I mean, that looks easy. I feel like I can do that. You know, I can I can definitely make that hop. I can do that jump. I can, you know, I can, I, I, can do that in sports. Like, I, you know, sometimes you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, dude, I can be like that famous soccer player or whatever. Uh, but then when you get into it, you're very much aware, wow, that is a skill set that I don't have. Yeah. So guess what? I need to learn. I need to practice. And I need to be very aware of decisions I'm making both in my head and physically and mentally before I get into it. That is, that's, that's the name of the game is like you know where you're at and you assess and then you execute.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think ultimately, though, the, the, I think the eye-opener for me just in that and just a takeaway was in order to succeed— Right, it's gonna take it it, in in terms of taking those risk, right? Those risky decisions, which is what trading can be. Trading is is in a sense a gamble, right? It is like uh, at the end of the day, it's just like a longer term form of gambling, right? Uh, And I think in that you can be successful if you're calculated, right? If you've if you've taken your emotions out of it, Uh, making money in this scenario, right, where you're putting yourself at risk, is not a place where you can have fear. Right. So I would even say I think that's why I went to my biggest takeaway was that it's something that you have to be prepared for, just like Zach kind of was getting at. It's a skill that you have to develop and you don't need to you don't have to put yourself at a, a large amount of risk before you've learned to be able to uh, before you've learned to be able to manage that risk. Right. Um, so. Uh, that, I think that was kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail getting into that that mindset, but it was something I really noticed because uh, I, I think even there was just a lot of people there. And the saddest part, I'll be honest with you, the saddest part for me is that w- when you're there, every you know everything, all the restaurants, everything's in a casino, right? So it's like I walked by countless of people, like countless people sitting at a slot machine, and they're just like zombies, like they're just sitting there. Oh, uh, ding, ding, ding. like desperate, sad, desperate people. And, and that's the thing is like you, a lot of people get like that in crypto. Right. And and, it, and it's, at, that's why, uh, first and foremost, right. Investing in your emotional health, investing in your physical health, which can also lead to your emotional health. Uh, and that's, you know, obviously you guys know that. I, I mean, I haven't been as uh, disciplined about it, but I've, i recently started a weight loss journey, uh, was I'm down fifty pounds or so, and the first thing I noticed was that your mood improves, right? Like your your mood improves when you when you uh, start working out. So there's the physical health side of it, but it, it's it's ultimately you have to you have to be a healthy you have to be in a healthy spot to be able to 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 uh, venture into a a realm like that. But uh, Tishan, what are your thoughts on that? So. The philosophy that I try to hold to when it comes
1: to the psychology of trading and the psychology of gambling, too, um, because I think there's a there's a time and a place for gambling. You got to experience it over the weekend. And, um, you know, that's one of the things you got to be ultra careful with moderating, you know, making sure that you're moderating that. But um, yeah, the philosophy that I kind of hold is fear and greed. Everything's looked through the lens of fear and greed. And. At a casino-type environment, you know it's gonna you're gonna be most tempted by greed. You know you're gonna be like, ooh, I just I just got this dopamine hit. I just got this elevation in my bank account. I want that again. Rather than saying I am better off than I was when I came in here, and I, you know, I didn't have to work for it. I should just go ahead and, you know, head the other way and go along my life that I expect to be, ha- you know, uh, troubling and have to have sacrifices, and they will be, you know. A lot of difficulty. Um, but instead, you know, a lot of people just say, I want to divert my attention from the difficulty that life has and just go down a path of dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. And you end up, you know, living for just little dopamine hits and your bank account goes steadily down, but you continue to justify
0: it to yourself. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. i and a hundred percent. I mean, and, and that is something ultimately at the end of the day, that's kind of the, that's the deeper thing, but we've talked about it before of like the, sometimes people look to different, uh, things to be able to, to get them out of that or to be, to even what they, what it is just going from one dopamine to uh, one form of dopamine to another. And and really what dopamine is. And if you're a neuro, uh, Chemist or whatever, or chemist, chemist, or, uh, uh, what's neurologist, this? neurologist, or yeah, you know the 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 meaning. I might butcher this, so correct correct us in the comment down below. But dopamine is the reward chemical, right? It's yeah. the it's when you've accomplished something, or or in in your body sense, accomplish something. So that yeah. could actually mean something as simple as whether that you made a little bit of money, right? You profited a little bit, or you you know saw a funny video, right? Mm-hmm. Or you you worked out. You know, mm-hmm. there's those little like those that it's that reward reward chemical, right? So the as humans, our instinct is, well, let me find the path of least resistance way of being rewarded, right? So then you find those things, and for oh, getting whoo- an amber alert amber here. Amber alert. Is. Amber alert. We're leaving this in. We're leaving the amber alert in.
1: Yeah, that's not uh,
0: good. But uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, the the thing is, that's what how, the way a lot of people use trading as is as their way of achieving uh, that reward chemical and to make them their mood feel better and feel better about their circumstances. But the problem is, it's two edged sword, right? It's a two edged sword because if you're if you're already in that deficit where you're chasing the dopamine, right? Once you get into that that once you're getting into a field like trading where it can be rewarding. Uh, if you're not built to take the other side of the sword, right, you're not wearing that armor, you're going to get burned. You're going to get hurt because now you're already at a deficit emotionally. And now you, you're not going to be able to handle the even more of a deficit you're going to be in with with making a, a making a bad trade or maybe not even a realized trade. Say it's not a realized trade. You got in and it, the market went down just so you know, guys, it, as, long as, you're, as long as you're using stop losses and you're not leverage trading ridiculous or whatever, there are, you can just hold into a trade. Like you don't have to jump out. You can, you can hold on tight until the market goes back up. Yeah. And I have many examples of when that has been what I had to end up doing. Oh, absolutely. So at the end of the day, I think what I'm just trying to communicate is um, that taking care of yourself Emotionally, physically, all those things first and foremost, uh, and putting yourself in a position to learn first, right? Because trading, there's a reason why we we talk about trading, right? We have tools to learn to teach you trading, but we don't talk we don't talk about trading nearly as much as we talk about investing. Why? Is because a lot of you guys, the the harsh reality is a lot of you guys aren't ready, right? But our goal at, at, as a as a company here is to be able to to provide that training for you guys to be equipped to do it, uh, and that's kind of what Club DeFi serves as, and that's what a lot of our content for education is trying to do, is to equip you guys to be able to take that toll. But we can't, we can do that, right? We can educate you strategies, we can ed- educate you ways to do things, but the 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 responsibility that has to be taken is the initiative also on the other end is to to get yourself in a place where you're ready and able to to take on that, those challenges. Right. And that we can't work out for you. You know what I mean? We can't, we can't, uh, take care of those, those personal things. And so that's going to be those, that's what we're, we, we here as a company, even, uh, you know, we're very passionate about being healthy people. Like we have, uh, you know, we, we all have gym memberships. We all have, you know, we all, you know, try to encourage each other to lead healthy lifestyles. And because that is it everything's connected? It directly influences uh, the way you're going to trade or invest, and and so on. So, um, it also makes the, the work environment here at Crypto a very
1: positive one, because yeah. we're all you know we're all healthy. We're all uh,
0: well. I'm getting there, but
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're healthy too. I mean, we're all starting from different places, but yeah. we're all coming in, and you know we're well rested and, and all of that. But um, so the other the other part of my philosophy, though. And this isn't my philosophy; like it's exclusive to me. A lot of people think this way, but the Tshroom Special is what we call it. So there's there's greed, but the other the other one is fear, and that's that's one that is a little more unique to trading, because in um, you know Las Vegas, there's probably not the only fear would be the fear of missing out on a good Bummer. you know, yeah. but uh, in in trading, the fear can be really bad because you'll sell at a loss mm. when. And then the next day, well, it, the it fear is, the back
0: uh, I'll, I'll tell you the fear. The fear is what I went through when I lost my, my profit. Yeah. So I went and put my principal back in. There is fear because the fear of loss, like yeah. of losing. Yeah. But
1: continue. And so it re- you'll never be able to fully do this, but you should always be working towards il- removing and isolating all emotion away from your trading strategy, your trading system. And it's difficult to do. It's very difficult to do. But usually what that looks like is, you know, it's technical analysis. You're, you're, you're using less fundamentals, less, oh, I just read this article on China. So I'm going to buy a bunch of these, you know, these securities are going to, they're going to move because of that story, because of that fountain, uh, that fundamental story. And I'm looking at, I'm looking and waiting for a series of indicators to show me what I expect them to show me. And usually you're going to be making trades a lot less often and you're going to be doing a lot of watching a screen that doesn't ever line up until it does. And then you know, Oh, this is it. This is, you know, the MACD is doing this, the RSI is doing this, you know, the TD sequentials here and you know, it's, it's a dip. So I'm going to buy it. And then you do. And then, you know, you're, at that point, you know, that's where it's like, okay, it's it's not really an emotional experience, and you, you what you have to realize is it's, it's, you're not going to be as happy doing that, but you'll be you'll be actually achieving making real achievement and real progress. Right. Uh, yeah. So you know maybe it's maybe it's a time for you to have kind of a a gut check and say you know am I extremely happy when I make like forty percent on a do- you know this this last Doge coin. Uh, spike that I that I ride that wave was I very happy um, it's okay if you did unless you were using money that you can't afford to lose mm. in order to do that trade um, you know but but if you were very happy doing that or you were very sad because you missed it that's that's probably something you want to look look inwardly and and maybe you're just young don't don't beat yourself up about any, no, yeah. any any of this stuff that we're talking about but maybe that's something you you can work on. And by work on, I mean, you know, start to really maybe even just write it down. Maybe just write down, you know, what you're feeling and be honest with yourself. And sometimes that is all you need to take take that first step towards um, a better tomorrow, you know. It's to be starting cliche. with recognizing it, yeah,
0: right? Yeah. Like, I think for me, the and guys, I went into it, just so you know, I, when I went into it and I, I put that $20 in, right? The whole idea, like, I, I knew I was setting the $20 on fire and I was not going to take any more out of my bank account to put anything else in. I was only gonna play that $20 and wherever that led me, that led me there, right? Um, so I, I already, that was the first and foremost thing, which is what we always talk about with investing or trading or anything is that, uh, you know, only only invest or spend or trade what you're willing to lose. And so I did that, 20 bucks, I had 20 bucks that I could just set on fire, right? So I, I took that $20, put it in, and the first thing I recognized, right, is as I would make these, as and these, I, I'll tell you what, more so than trading, what these slot machines are doing is preying on what's going on in your brain, the sounds they're making, the lights they're making, everything they're doing, the, re- the way it's rewarding you. It's it's almost it's just accelerating what you feel like when you get on a Dogecoin pump. Right. It's, the, it's so I got I got to really get introspective as I was doing it. Right. Because I was there with my brother. <laughs> Funny enough, my brother lost everything that he yeah. put in. That was tragic. Which he, was how
1: much? Did you put much more see, than? You?
0: Yeah, no, he put he. So he's here's the sad part about what happened with my brother. He kept putting in money. Oh, okay. so he lost seventy five bucks total. So that's not. not no, it's not bad. Not he didn't. Okay, he obviously both of us came at it that we're not gonna become like these gambling fiends that are just going at it putting hundreds of dollars in. But uh, he was kind of bummed about it though, because like I walked away with eighty bucks. He lost seventy five bucks. So that was you know, yeah tragic yeah. for him. Yeah. But. Uh, back to what I I was kind of getting at was, uh, what was I getting at? Well, I actually had a question for T-Stream.
2: What's your question? Right. So you, out of all of us, have the most trading experience. But I wanted to ask, like, obviously when you go into a trade, you go into any investment, I mean, those might be different things, but Mm -hmm. how often do you have that number in your head? Whether it's a stop loss, but also your gains? And then investment-wise, that might be a little more loose. But you always have a number, okay, I'm going to get out here, Target exit. Target exit. Yeah. Right, well, but then how often do you change that?
0: I, can I let me finish what I, I was gonna say? Then we'll jump into it because I exactly. just remembered what I was getting at. So uh, just to wrap it up really quickly, what I was saying is uh, the the first thing I noticed when I was doing it and these things, setting these these dopamine off or whatever stuff, it was the reflection, the self, the introspection to realize what it was doing to me, right? I already came into it because I live in Florida, right? We don't gamble here. So I'm not like, it's not something that I was familiar. So I always had the negative connotation of what it was, right? So I was already introspectively recognizing that, oh, that felt really good. I know what it's doing to me, right? So I'm getting—I knew that I was gonna get—I was getting addicted to it, uh, and so that ultimately is why I walked away at 80, and I wasn't gonna—I wasn't gonna keep doing it because I had the instinct to, I had the itch to, but I didn't. So it's fighting that—it's—it's it's like Tishum said, fighting it or start making a change in that direction starts with first recognizing the problem, uh, and you have to recognize what it's doing to you. But uh, now you can answer that. Yeah. Uh,
1: let's see how often you change the the price the exit, Your price. exit
2: price or even in a game like you might you know oh man it's still going up maybe i can inch that a little bit more mm-hmm. and Good then question the yeah. academic answer would be you don't the
1: academic answer would be because one trade is just one in a series of you know potentially thousands of trades that you're going to make over a period of time you exit when you planned to exit Right. So that's the academic answer. Right. The the real world answer, which, again, should be ever increasingly getting closer to the academic answer uh, is, yeah, I definitely have traded on emotion. I still trade on emotion, but it's something that I'm progressing towards not doing anymore. Right. Right. And so, you know, it really depends. Uh, it, It really depends. I ha- I'll tell you, I haven't sold for a loss in probably a year just because I've been a lot more selective of what I'm buying. Hmm. and But I'm also backholding a decent amount of stuff, yeah. right? So yeah. there's stuff that I'm on a loss for, but it's because I believe in it. In fact, there's only one stock that I own that I am down am down on, and I don't think it's going to come back up. And that's, it's a company called Wheels Up. It's this private uh, jet companies where you can it's like Uber for private jets. Right. Mm. It could come back up, but I I think it's probably not going to. And, you know, but but everything else I'm very very confident in. I have a strong conviction that these industries that I've that I've researched and looked into, that I'm just going to continue to DCA, mm. as they go lower or as they come back up. Um, and in crypto, you apply essentially the same philosophy. If you're in an altcoin that you don't believe in, but you were just buying it because you think that there's going to be a pump, um, you should sell for a loss, right? If it starts to go down, you should have a number in your head, okay, I'm going to sell at 3%, I'm going to sell at 10% right. uh, loss, and you shouldn't feel bad for selling for that loss because you already knew you'd bake that into your overall strategy, your trading budget. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. The, yeah, the answer should be never. You should never um, change, you know, let's say, you let's say you were, uh, you were trading, uh, GameStop back in the day, totally isolated from what was happening to GameStop and you were just trading it. Cause it was came up on one of your screeners Absolutely, right? yeah. as you as a yep. trader, yep. you know, I don't remember the numbers, but let's say you were expecting it to go up 5% and then, and you, it was up, you know, 4.9% 4, 4. and you were just about to, i did that by the way you're telling my story you were just about to exit the trade but then you know all the uh wall street bets bros just like pump it to the moon and you didn't even know that was going to happen right right you're just a cnbc guy you're not you maybe not even watching the news at all you're just trading your own uh patterns and then it goes all the way to the moon it's like yeah those are the types of things that you'd miss out on by having a disciplined strategy Mm -hmm. but but you run it over like a 50 year span the person with a disciplined strategy is going to be way wealthier way wealthier every single time than someone who's sitting there and they rode it all rode gme all the way to the top. Yeah. Are there exceptions to that? Sure, cuz there's really, you know, sophisticated hedge funds that are also raking the uh, raking reddit and they have like really advanced algorithms that are providing them all kinds of data. Sure. And there's just the people who were in the, those subreddits um you know, yeah. but but
2: but those yeah, are exceptions actually, to the I actually kind of want to go off that, though, because that, that raises a good point. So when you set those numbers in your head, right, and you know what's happening, but how often do you keep uh, almost like tabs on your research? So everything that you're invested in, I'm sure you're researching and kind of staying up to, especially technical analysis and fundamental. What do you think, like, hey, is it was a once a week thing? Is it a monthly thing? Like how, I mean, I'm sure different strategies call for different You know research but Mm -hmm. i mean at least in your experience how often do you keep tabs on stuff how often
1: i'd say multiple times a week but that's just because i'm i'm in the crypto world right Right. professionally it's Mm -hmm. my job i'm constantly researching every single morning i'm looking at the charts to help uh, plan for the morning show so in tandem, I'm also looking at my my personal accounts and stuff like that. Sure. So, but someone working an insurance job, right? Where all they're thinking is selling insurance, they're probably not opening up their trading portfolio as off, anywhere near as often as I am. Right. So, I'm at a little bit of a, an advantage, you could say, but I'm also at risk for overtrading because I'm because yeah. I always have those tabs open, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that, that's that's the answer I would give.
0: Yeah, I, I was actually so that was I. I the, with the GME stuff and we talked about actually in the first episode of between two coins, but that was exactly me. I actually got into, I got into GME back when it was like, I think it was like, when it was like 20 bucks and I had my dad get in and it was great. And because I started to hear the murmurs of what was happening on wall street bets. And I didn't know that it was, they had the capability of taking it where they did. They took it to like 500 plus dollars. Right. I, I figured, you know, we could, it could probably go up double. Triple maybe. So I actually I had planned to get out around fifty, and I did. I think it was either forty or fifty. I got out, had my dad get out, and then like the next day, hmm. like the next, I think it was like the next couple of days, it went all the way up to five hundred. Yeah, that was tragic. But I think it like like Tishan was saying, it's that discipline to be able to phone, fo- like to fight the FOMO, right? Hmm. There's we always talk about FUD. Right, we always say, "Oh, oh, FUD." They're spraying FUD. They're wanting to get people out. There's sometimes where you, you kind of have to be. You kind of have to also fight the being the moon boy and FOMO, right? Because FOMO can also be a little bit more dangerous. Because also, if you're not in a place emotionally, right, to kind of bring it back to that point, if you're not in that place uh, where you've taken first taken care of your yourself emotionally, that you can support the gains. Something that Jordan Peterson said. Uh, that I really loved when we were at Bitcoin 2022 is he said nothing slips through the hands uh, of a fool's hands faster than money right so if you if you don't take care of like maybe you did get in on this pump are you in the place where you're not going to spend it all are you not in the place where you're going to lose that money if you're not if you're not willing to put the work into becoming a, a, a resilient trader. And sometimes that does mean taking loss, right? Sometimes that does mean learning from failure. But uh, kind of like with Kelly, his you know, his tuition he calls it in his his where he lost that seventy five or seventy thousand dollars in a trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's tragic. But to him he says that's no, that's his tuition into trading. And it made him a stronger trader because of it. I, I think in this case too. Uh, but in in that you have to you have to commit yourself to becoming a resilient trader um, because it, that also reverberates into what you're gonna do with the profits.
2: And uh, by the way, that was over years of trading for Kelly. Like that wasn't like he wasn't just getting into it and then boom lost it all. Like I just wanted to reiterate. Really, like, he did lose it all in one yeah, trade. Yeah, it was all. Well, all no, one he trade. lost it all in one trade, but it wasn't. It wasn't his first trade, right? Right. Like oh, he wasn't no.
1: going oh, in.
0: Just, big yes. Just yes. That, right, that, right. that was a. That's, yeah. That
1: he 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 got too comfortable with leverage trading. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he'd so, be the first to say that and we're not.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Crap about we're not that. talking crap. About no, no. No. I just I I'm just repeating like what he said. Might, <laughs> yeah. Hey yeah. y'all, I'm about to
2: get in this trading game. Boom! 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 Like throwing all my money in
0: oh oh okay. he, good he's you're experienced right. you're right
2: his tuition was right. over and i actually have some friends who have well, it was it was confidence but yeah
1: who right. took out loans to buy ethereum um back in november Oh. yeah oh like there's people out there that are that are silly gooses you know they they come into it with a a very naive understanding of not just markets but with human nature you know yeah just like like the world and a lot of you know a lot of people have been sheltered but um when you were talking about uh the people who were at those casinos and the slot machines it looked like they're kind of camped out there and they're not looking to leave anytime soon it reminded me of i went to canada one time and i went to caesar's palace was that is that what it's called yeah caesar's palace they have one in canada yeah
0: yeah there's a lot of Caesar Palaces? Is it Caesar's Palace? Because Caesar's Palace is the one in Las Vegas. Okay, just, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it a giant sa- casino. It was definitely Caesar's. I don't know, I don't the know, the know sa- if it was Caesar's Palace. C- it probably was Caesar's because Caesar's owns like half the casinos on the strip. Yeah. The company Caesar's. But, um, yeah, and, and that's interesting that that
1: is allowed to be the name of something. Caesar who like killed like thousands and thousands of innocent <laughs> civilians
0: like, all right all right but, go uh, off <laughs> but, uh, he needs to pay for his crimes i'm you know pretty I mean? sure he did
1: you know so you can do with that which i mean you will,
0: he's a figure you know, i don't in think i don't think he should be you know. paid
1: for his crimes but it's just like no, in in wh-
0: the days of trying to rename everything what about like alexander English. the great i mean he did you know like you know how he died right caesar i don't i don't remember he's he's got like stabbed at Like what was it? Like a hundred times by his like all the people in the republic. Wow. So he got his. So he got his. That's what I'm saying. Got his due. He he did got. He did get his due. But um, I
1: remember walking around that Caesar's palace and just like seeing maybe even a close to a thousand people, but just like all of these old people just sitting there and presumably just gambling away their life savings. Yep. And and it was. And I was walking around just like, I don't ever want this to happen to me. No. And I don't think that people, I think when people go there as as a young person, they're going there, they're probably inebriated. To have know. fun. Yeah. There's they're, they're to have fun. And it's also different hours of the day. Yeah. Like when I was there, it was like 2 p.m. In Windsor, Canada, by the way, if you were, you know, on the edge of your Wanted seat. Wanted to go What's check
0: th- it out. What city? <laughs> I want to go there. No.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's right. It was right on the other side of Detroit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Of of the river of that, I don't know, of that river whatever the river is. Detroit, river right? up there by Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it was depressing, man. And I went into this like there was this cubby, there's this uh like room, like probably about the size of the studio. <laughs> Um, and there was this guy in there, there were the whole walls covered in just like pamphlets, like help pamphlets. And I, and I, really? I, I was asking him like, you know, what's going on, you know, with this, you know, this casino, like, what do you do here? I was just trying to get some information. Cause I was like, okay, this is interesting. And he was paid there full time. In case someone wanted to come talk to him about a gambling addiction,
0: really? Yeah,
1: so so Caesar's Palace. I can't remember if he was with an outside organization or if he was actually with Caesar's Palace, like as a W two employee. But he he was like sitting there, ready to talk to people about gambling addiction. And he was like, "Yeah, not many people come in here, but we're here, you know." And and it was probably a liability shelter to some extent. So, if like someone was to You know, some really smart lawyer was to figure out how to make a case against like, oh, they should get all their money back because they were emotionally deceived into gambling their life savings away that the casino could say, oh, well, we had this area where they could go talk about their gambling issue. And so, again, like the fact that that even exists.
0: Uh, Well, you wonder how sad it is in Las Vegas. Any of the high points there were like glass shields so people wouldn't jump, dude. That's how bad it is. Like so, like that was so. So, to kind of finish the point, a lot of people, right? We we're able to walk into a casino, right? We're able to walk into a casino and see that and be like, oh, that's horrible, right? I don't want to be that guy. Uh, we can't walk into every trader's living room and see them in front of their screens, you know, doing the exact same thing. So that's why we're going to use our platform to say trading is not a problem. You can, like, I think trading is a great tool, but you have to be emotionally built for it because what happens is if you're not ready for it, you end up, you know, you have to realize that the money that you're making is not going to solve whatever is your kind of your, what's got you in that place. Right. Um, So at at the end of the day, uh, we want everybody watching this show to, to make Bucks. We want you making money, right? Honey. Uh, But at the end of the day, we we want to put, you know, people first. And that means being emotionally strong to be able to handle that. And that's why we're not going to we're not going to lose our integrity and just tell you buy this, buy that moon, moon, moon. We're going to tell you sometimes that there's times to to evaluate where you're at and st- put a pedal on the brake. Yeah. And so that's kind of I would say, especially right now, a lot of I'm speaking to a lot of you guys who are scared because the market is dead. And this is being recorded on Fridays, This goes out tomorrow. So the market maybe maybe we rallied a thousand percent. Who knows? But uh, um, the fact is, the market's not doing well uh, right now. So at the end of the day, it's going to, it has to, it's going to take that kind of that fortitude because you know, how many people, like you said, the night, the naivety of it, I got into it, uh, crypto the beginning of the year and I made some really bad investments. And the reason is, is because we're all about the, uh, we're all about the evangelism, Right. Crypto is not lacking evangelizers. We have so many people going around saying, "Buy, buy this, buy that." You're never gonna lose. It's the Bitcoin is the solution to everything. The thing is, at the end of the day, there's still volatility, right? And without the education in that to back that up, the mm-hmm. education, the ex to set the expectations of what when you get into the crypto market, this is what you can expect. How many people you got them in successfully? You made them buy. Maybe you made them take out a loan for ten thousand dollars, thinking it only goes up and to the right, right? Next thing you know, they're down forever and they're struggling to pay back that loan. That uh, that. Well, they can't, and they yeah, default, no. and they re- it's get it, their credit wrecked, right? So, so ultimately, right? There is when you zoom out, it is up and to the right. I'm not even arguing. like uh, Bitcoin does solve a lot of money pro- problems with the uh, economy in, in this world. Right. It, Bitcoin does is the solution to that crypto and, and decentralization is a solution to a lot of things. But you have to set the expectations of what it looks like getting into the market. And it actually it takes a a resilience. Right. Because it is a new market. Right. You guys are right now, even with Bitcoin being at 40, was it like 42, 4, 39, something like that in that range, you're still an early adopter, like you're still an early adopter to this space. And so ultimately there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but we know in the long run, if you just sit tight, right, you're going to make it in the end. And so it, but the biggest thing is being able to hold on to that bull. Right. Because it's going to it's going to buck you off. Right. That's it's that's the goal. It's going to try to get you out. And especially with institutional manipulation and so on in the space, uh, it's it's hard to hold on. And that's what we're trying to train you for. That's what the education is, is because you're going to you're going to make it right. It's all about having the resilience to not get off Uh, or if you're trading, it's the resilience to be disciplined about it and not FOMO or or FUD. But especially FOMO and trading is to, uh, is to not just let your trades, you know, go and then thinking you're going to sell perfectly the tops and bottoms. Sometimes you just have to have this is my percent and I'm going to stick to it. And then then you're going to be you're going to in the long run uh, uh, m- succeed. So yeah. how much time do we have left? Yeah. What's the time at?
2: Um, We started. Yeah, we have about like ten, nine, ten 9, 10 minutes. OK. All right.
0: Okay. All right, so Tisho, I'm gonna throw it to you because I think you had an interesting subject you want to bring up about the uh, about old Vitalik Buterin, yeah, Ethereum daddy. So, so the just the headline is Ethereum
1: founder Vitalik Buterin, Buterin, uh, Putin's lovely Russian government is one of my enemies now. That's his quote. Interesting. So Vitalik has has distanced himself from Russia, and obviously the Russian. Um, Issues that are going on now—the the war that they've waged on the Ukrainian people—and that yesterday can, the Canadian Parliament felt comfortable labeling officially a genocide, which yeah. is a whole a whole nother issue. But um, I don't want to pretend like I'm understating what, what's going on. It's in, in that area. Horrible. But yeah. um, the way I was going to transition into that story before you kind of just cold transitioned, which is fine. But uh, <laughs> sorry, was, sorry, I was gonna I was gonna say you know I've been finding myself been like uh, you know just like anybody else just kind of kicking back in the evening and just like you know playing video games or enjoying myself and being like man there's a war going on right now it's crazy and it's not just like a war like because there's kind of always wars going on in like um, like the Congo and like South Sudan like there's and Yemen like there's wars been going on there for a while but those are like very distant like in in my mind whereas this is these are two this is a, a world power, Russia, and you know a major European con- uh, country. It's not in the EU. Um, it's also not in um, NATO. But it's it's a it's a country that I've met people from, mm-hmm. right? And and yeah. it's a country that exports goods that I've actually consumed.
0: Yeah, we're feeling the ramifications of it. Right. Yeah.
1: Um. Right. And so that's not to belittle the other wars that are going on and the suffering that are going on there. But you know, so what what what's happening now is vitalik who is is russian he's a russian person he's having to distance himself from this regime that has made some very very poor choices to say the least Mm. and uh you know he must be in a tough spot because he's he's the representative of ethereum which if anybody not watching uh, watching this doesn't know ethereum a cryptocurrency um was co-founded by vitalik and he is kind of seen as the
0: as the, the figurehead yeah he's kind of like the uh, charles hoskinson of ethereum he which, is which for you guys who don't know what charles who charles hoskinson is which most of you guys probably do he's the figurehead for cardano cardano yeah. um, he's like the i guess how you put it he's like the elon musk for <laughs> of of, uh, uh, yeah so like so the way elon musk is with tesla except not ceo just like representative, because he's not the yeah. CEO of Tesla anymore. That's the no, same. No, he is. Are you sure? Oh yeah, Elon's definitely the CEO of Tesla. That hasn't changed. I'm pretty sure. I remember hearing that he wasn't anymore. Okay, I think I have Jeff Bezos. Okay, maybe Jeff Bezos. Let's <laughs> look that up, Jamie. <laughs> I say Jeff Bezos stepped down,
2: not Amazon, but I think Tesla.
0: I, I'm pretty sure he's still the CEO of SpaceX, but he's not the CEO of Tesla. CEO of Tesla Motors. Is he really? Yeah. No, I'm such a goob. Oh yeah, maybe I think, I'm I think thinking you're of thinking Jeffers. of he yeah, got
1: yeah. into some issues with the SEC, and I think he did have to step down or something and be on the board. But he's he's definitely there now. Oh, because okay. in the head. Okay, so uh, back to the back to the yeah, east, back to your saying. I'm just being a silly goose. So uh, so Russia has completely tarnished their their um, reputation in the world stage. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of England of the, the UK he said uh, he will never be able to cleanse the blood from his hands like this is just it's over I, like we're not understanding that yet because it's so soon it's you know the shock is still really raw Yeah, but um, you know it, it's over for Russia it's over for the Putin regime he's not going to be able to engage in any kind of serious trade with other countries other than China and other you know uh, corrupt nations that are willing to to deal and trade with with somebody like putin but um so you know as i'm relaxing i'm thinking like man like should i feel guilty about about uh you know just just hanging out and, and not you know not donating a bunch of money not working overtime well, at like mcdonald's to like raise money for the for the cause um mcdonald's you know that would be that would be a a place to work but um <laughs> And I and I think the the takeaway is no, I shouldn't feel guilty, mm. right? But also, you know, I I should be holding people like uh, Vitalik accountable for his his uh, decisions, and he's already gone ahead and you know kind of distance itself from Russia, which is the which is the right thing to do. But but we are promoting this industry of crypto. You know, we're very much you know crypto guys, and so we want to make sure that in the same way that we promote it, we're also, you know, making sure that the Russians and other, you know, bad actors in the world aren't, you know, using it to embezzle money into money launder and, and to ultimately fund, you know, potentially some kind of takeover of a whole blockchain. And um, yeah, so that, that's something I've been thinking about, but, but Vitalik has definitely made the right decision here, I think. And, you know, it's just a, it's, a, it's an unfortunate time for him to be associated with Russia. Hmm. I think the Russian people are, you know, probably good people for the most part. They seem to be brainwashed right now by the, by the news. But, um, you know, the regime certainly is not
2: a good regime. Yeah. I was going to say, that's incredibly brave for him to do. That's a big target on his back.
0: Well, I mean, he also definitely doesn't have any, like, I don't think he has any political ties, right? I think he was just born there. But I think even what we've established, and I'm not going to get into that because I think that's not something we really can talk about on the channel. But like we saw with the pandemic the way certain people were held accountable for something they had nothing to do with. It's the same thing. And so I think for him, he's getting ahead of it to say, I have nothing to do with this. And I, in fact, I disdain it, you know? Um, but I I would even say like, I think kind of what you were getting at there that you kind of mentioned of like just as much so as we are, we are advocates for the space. We also need to be willing to call uh, bad actors in the space out. Right. And so, uh, and that's why I'm calling it now, <laughs> but, but it's, it's something to where, uh, there's the, there's a caution, there's a caution to getting into the market. Um, but, and that's on the trade, that's on that trading side of things. But also there is a, uh, you know, as a community, a decentralized community, right? Cause that's the key thing. There's, there's, projects. And that's one of the things that you also need to consider is that not all cryptocurrencies are, are created equal. Some are wolves in sheep's clothing to get people involved and to make money off of them. Or maybe they're just centralized actors that are, you know, or they're being manipulated by these world powers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, there's that kind of, uh, discernment that comes with also being in the space that sometimes there's going to be wolves among you. Um, and, and that it, it takes that, that knowing, Right. And we need to be willing to call each other out and to, and to protect our community in a way that is, uh, uplifting and, and also in the fact that it's not, there's no centralized power putting its hand on it. Uh, and so that's the thing about decentralization is that decentralization actually takes, uh, participation. Yeah. Right. Mm Uh, there's a there's a difference in a centralized authority, a centralized a, a centralized system. You can you don't you can opt out of, right? Or you at least don't have to do anything. I can just I don't have to feed the machine. In crypto, if everyone just stopped mining, mm-hmm. there's no Bitcoin. Yeah, you know what I mean. Every, it actually it's the participation that makes this decentralized system work. It's that the fact is that there are people with mining computers, and there's an incentive there and in profit. But uh, in that, there's, there's also an obligation on the other side of it, is that if we want to make crypto into something that we see it as, as this solution to so many problems and, and something that is a positive shift in the world, mm-hmm. there, it takes a participation in the space in the community to realize that there's a lot of manipulators. There's a lot of uh, ways that the tool can be used for harm and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And now instead of it just being something that we're at the whim of, we actually have a say in how this goes and we have an obligation to, to, to push things in the right direction. So I think even with Vitalik, his role, he realizes and, – and the thing is with Vitalik, he's not actually in some kind of authority – over Ethereum, I mean, he's involved in the development of Ethereum, but it's a decentralized project, just like most of the cryptocurrencies, right? So he's not in like in uh, directly in charge of it. Still takes uh, uh, consensus from the miners and stuff mm-hmm. like that to make things happen. So I, I think even what he's trying to do is make a stance for, for the people. One for the people who somehow still attach him to ethereum in that sense of saying it kind of what his opinion reflects ethereum's opinion even though ethereum is decentralized doesn't have an opinion um so i think he's getting ahead of it in that sense but i think he's also establishing hey in the crypto in this community sense i'm making a stance on this because me as a player in the community i I, they are that this i will not stand for injustice in the world and I think that's. I think he's he's kind of getting ahead of it. And I think we all, in the same way, have a responsibility um, to do the same thing uh, and to make sure that we're building this community uh, to uplift instead of being a tool for evil. So that's really good. That's really
1: good, Smay. Yeah.
0: So Zach, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, I love it. I mean, I I definitely think, especially as us. I mean, I'm not on on camera that much, but I know you guys. We kind of, we have this play where, you know, we have a voice in the space and we can we can actually say things that people are gonna listen to, right? I think, but but more telling is what do we do off screen, right? So more telling is like, I mean, obviously T Shroom, I, I loved his point and I love what you were saying Smay. Like we basically are are playing into this, but we would believe in this and say the same thing if we weren't on screen, right? And, and the same will play as like Vitalik and, all these, like, I think I'm just trying to wrap this up as like, you know, in the crypto community, I think we, you know, there are bad players, there's fast like grab, but there is people that believe in the space and they believe in in doing something. And a lot of people, I mean, that I've met that have no face in the community, um, but they are doing really big steps to build a community and build a background and build a monetization to help nations and nation states uh, around the world. and. You know, maybe they, you know, profit, but you know, no one really cares about the uh, the programmer in the background. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, like overall, like you know, it this this big um, situation and, and political statement is it's it's really telling when somebody steps up um, and you know, and, and with affiliation, put paints like a background on their head. Um, I mean, especially when a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are coming out against it, but uh, they're not Russian, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's
2: painting like a target on his head. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely taking a risk by saying that, but I mean, he's also, I doubt he lives anywhere near. I I don't know if he lives in the UK or if he lives in America, but But I don't know if it's a target.
0: I don't know if it's a target. I I think if anything, I mean, yeah, it's probably a target to Russia and Russia's allies. But, I mean, if anything, the entire other half of the world already did that. So I don't think he's alone in that he's somebody that they want to – that he's in any danger or anything like that. Uh, I, I would say ultimately I, I think it's more of a – I think it's – everyone has to share their share their stance nowadays. I mean it's very clear in, in this year, this last couple of years, um, there's been a lot of things that have been a call for empathy, Right. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of things that are go- are that are going on in the world. And it's saying, OK, your your position in, in how we see you, it depends on how how much empathy you have. Right. And I think that I think in that that's a lot of uh, and I don't. And by the way, I'm not criticizing that. I, I think in that that is there's that is a system in the world it can be used for for malpractice. Right. But I think at the end of the day, that's where we're at as a society is that we're judging people based on how much empathy they have. And so I think he is, this is a a big stance of him to say, this is something that it almost hits close to home. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he's, he's seeing from the country he comes from where it's at. And so uh, I think that there's a, I think he feels a, a burden of responsibility to make it very clear how he feels about it. Um, And I think just we're all called to do something like that in this day and age that we all have to kind of put our foot down on what we believe in and stand firm to that. Um, So I I commend them. I think it's great. Um, And so I I don't think it, to be honest with you, I don't think it has any ramification. And just in case you were wondering, you're listening and saying, does that mean I should buy Ethereum? I don't think that has any ramifications on the status of Ethereum in the market. Uh, I think it's just uh, what this show really served for. And the reason why we even talked about it is because this show is for the community. Um, Between Two Coins was made because uh, we went to, we went to uh, Bitcoin 2022 and we sat and we saw the fact that there were so many people that were so, so enthusiastic and there was a lot of very interesting characters in the space. Yet, we don't really get to, we don't really, we're so focused on the price of everything. We're so focused on the, mo- the money opportunity and everything that we don't actually stop to realize that we're actually part of a community, right? We're part of a group of, uh, of guys and girls that are devoted to something, right? Mm-hmm. And in that there's kind of a shared commonality there. So we said, well, why not kind of, instead of trying to look forward, let's look adjacent to us and, and, and say, how about we highlight this community that we're all in? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why we wanted to talk about it. I, I think it's a very interesting, uh, a very interesting thing, and it can is there's, there's kind of a, a bit of a lesson to be learned there in everything that we're doing. So uh, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this unconventional episode of Between Two Coins. Uh, next week, we have some—I'm pretty sure we have some special guests on the hook, so that'll be uh, pretty cool. You get to check them out. I'm not going to say who it is, uh, but that's exciting. Uh, but without further ado—
1: Also be praying for Tim.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Guys, seriously, be praying for Tim. Uh, prayers go to Tim. I i, I mean, it's just—it's crazy. But uh, obviously, uh, anyways— I will see you guys, in the next video. Thank you for watching. Whoa there, partner! You watched the whole video. Good on you. Now what you can do to make me even happier is go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, bing that notification bell, and let me know what you think in the comments down below. Thank you for watching. Good